your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I'd like to share this afternoon a scripture that has taken on a greater meaning to me over these past few weeks, and I hope that it will be an encouragement to each of you. Paul is writing the church at Corinth, and the context actually is some bit of trouble. There's some schism in the church at Corinth, as some of the body is identifying with Paul, and some are identifying with Apollos, and some are identifying with Christ. It's caused a little bit of a, a, little bit of a problem here that Paul is seeking to address. Um, my purpose this afternoon is not actually to address it or to look at it from the perspective of the schism or the problem. I'd like to look at it from the aspect of where our focus ought to be. And as, and as Paul is writing here, he is dealing with this issue. And I'd like to bring your attention to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and what we're going to look at is verse 8. I'm sorry, we need to get in context here. We're going to look at verse 7 and 8. Here he writes and says, So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. You see, in life, we meet different people. And if we are faithful witnesses, we will be faithful to be sharing the grace of God. We will be faithful in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. We will be faithful witnesses. And in some places and in some times, we may find ourselves planting a seed. A seed in a heart and a mind that has never heard the gospel never seen the grace of God work. And in other times, we are faithful witnesses. We may or may not know, but we may be watering that seed. And in the end, and the point that Paul is making here is that whether it doesn't matter who is planting and who is watering, ultimately it is the Lord who gives the increase. And so when we look at a plant that grows, even as us as human beings, in planting a garden or planting a flower or planting a seed. We may plant it, we may water it, but I'll tell you, it's up to the Lord whether or not it grows. I planted a few things and God determined it was not going to grow. Though I'm not entirely sure I did everything right sometimes. But it's amazing how other times I'm not sure I did everything right and God makes things grow. And so it is in the lives of people and individuals. And this, this has been something that has been uh, challenge for me in the last few weeks as we have concluded the ministry here at El Harrison Elementary School and the Good News Club. And there's been different efforts to varying degrees of success in reaching out and following up with these children. And um, as we began this afternoon, I wasn't quite sure how I was going to share this because I don't know if any of you noticed, but at the first part of our service, we had a family back here where one of the children was coming to Good News Club here up till our business meeting started. 
and um, we'd only met one of the three that were here, and here we had a family visiting this afternoon from Good News Club. I thought I was going to have to maybe change my, change my lesson so as to not make them feel awkward, but in God's providence with the business meeting, they slipped out, and that's fine. But at the same time, I'm thinking of this message here. The planting, the watering, the increase, it's all of the Lord. And in following up and reaching out to some of the children and their families from Good News Club and some with, some with precious success and some where total contact is lost, I am reminded here that it's the Lord who has given the increase. And I am so thankful for the opportunity to plant and to water and know that he will give the increase. And I've been a little bit alert in hearing stories of how this happens in other lives. And I've been reminiscing and reflecting in my own life of people throughout my life that I've had opportunities to meet and know and have no idea where they are today. Um, one of the more meaningful and special is when I was, when I was 16 years old, I was teaching in an Awana club, third grade. And there was a little boy who was coming whose name was Chris. And he was a third grader. And I'll never forget the first time I met him. We opened up that Awana Bible memory book, and I had him read the first section. And one of the first sections was, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, we read through it, and one of the things I do with children is I read through the verses and I try to explain them because it doesn't do much good to memorize verses. You don't know what they mean. And um, this is a newer experience for me in some ways alone. It was one of the first times I'd ever been working one-on-one -on -one with anyone, and I was only 16 years old. And uh, we came to the next verse, and it's Romans 3.23. And so I handed it to him, and I said, Chris, can you read this? And he says, for all have signed and come short of the glory of God. Now, how many of you think he read it right? He didn't know what sin was. He didn't even know how to pronounce it. For all have signed, he said. And um, so our relationship continued. He actually came the first week of Awana that fall and continued every single week. And uh, he, he, he had a rough home life, but he came every single Wednesday night. And um, at that time, my brother Timothy and I also taught third grade Sunday school class on Sundays. And um, he would come to church on Sundays as well. And then every other week, I would go over with one of my siblings and we would visit him at his home and we'd follow up. So sometimes three times a week, um, I would see Chris. And um, I remember as time went by, it was in January when we were talking, and he just lived about three blocks from the church there in Mishawaka, just three blocks from the church. And we were talking about Jesus. And it was incredible because this little boy, third grade, had no idea who Jesus was, had no idea who God was, I mean, we, we were having to deal with every, all kinds of, of things that he would ask questions about. He was a great question asker. And um, I remember one day we were talking about Jesus being a shepherd. 
and in preparing for this morning's message, it, I, my mind went back to this. And there at the church, First Baptist Mishawaka, in the old auditorium, the whole wall is stained glass windows. And um, in the center window is a depiction of Jesus holding a lamb. And he has, he has the wounds in his hands that are still there as wounds, and he's holding this lamb. And I was explaining to him that when, when we believe on Jesus, we become his little lamb that he cherishes and takes care of, and he leads us and he guides us. And all of a sudden, he sat up, and he looks at me, and he says, Mr. Stephen, is that the guy in the window? And I says to Chris, it sure is. That's not really what Jesus, we don't know what Jesus looked like, but that's what it's supposed to be about. That's supposed to be Jesus in the window. And it really was a, an incredible experience for me to share with this young boy who, who only knew the name Jesus as a byword or a curse word. He had no conception of Jesus as God, as the Son of God, as the Savior. He had no conception of him as a good shepherd, none at all. And it was so exciting over those few months to see him growing. I remember the day that he prayed to Jesus and asked Jesus to forgive him his sins and told Jesus that he believed in him and believed that he was a sinner. And when he prayed and said that he believed he was a sinner, he was very humble about it. He went through and named all the sins he'd committed the day before and that morning as he confessed his sins to the Lord. And when he finished listing all of those sins, he said to Jesus, and I know, and you know, I've done a lot more. But then he prayed and asked Jesus to forgive him his sins. Little Chris grew. And I remember one Palm Sunday morning, we came to church. And um, there was a little bench next to the side door. And we typically would arrive to church somewhat early. And one Sunday morning, Chris was sitting there in that bench and he was crying and I came, I came rushing up to him I sat down next to him and I said what's wrong Chris he said my dad shot himself this morning and we just sat there and we cried for a few minutes and, um, and he just cried, and he says, Mr. Stephen, the worst part is that he never believed on Jesus. And he asked me if I'd pray for his mom, that his mom would believe in Jesus. And so we prayed for his mom to believe in Jesus, and then um, we went into Sunday school, went to the church service. As soon as the church service was over, I went over to his home. We just got out of the car, and his mom comes running up and gives me a hug. Says, thanks for being there for Chris. And I was able to share with her the hope that we can have in Jesus. And she was, she, she wasn't, I mean, she was grieving. I, I don't know how little or much of it she got, 
Um, but that was the last time I ever saw Chris that afternoon it moved away the house was vacant come Wednesday and I I remember Chris and so often I, I pray Lord you know where he's at you know where he's at please please bring those who love you to teach him to disciple him to water the seed I have no idea whatever happened to his mom. I tried looking him up on Facebook and never been able to track him down. I've never seen him again since that Palm Sunday morning. And I find so much joy in the fact that none of this and nothing what was happening with Chris had really anything to do with me. It was the Lord Jesus. And in all of it, he gave the increase. And I'm convinced I'm going to see Chris again up in heaven. And I look forward to that day so very much. Um, On a day of tragedy um, was also a day of separation. And in it all, I give thanks and rejoice in this, that God gives the increase. I was only 16 years old, and believe me, that day had a major impact in my life in reminding me of the importance to share the gospel. In the Good News Club, as we've been working on it and thinking through some of these children and praying for them and helping them through similar tragedies and sharing with them the hope that's in Jesus has been very encouraging and exciting to me. And I'm tempted to be discouraged when I'm not able to, when the connection has gone away to some ways. But then I'm thrilled when, you know, they come here this afternoon, some of them. But in it all, I continue to pray, Lord Jesus, when I'm not able to be one who's watering, you're going to give the increase. And I pray that there will be faithful witnesses in these children's lives. There's other stories I could share of other children that I continue to pray for by now are long grown, you know, grown. Um, Some of you may remember Austin and Autumn, who'd come to church here with Evelyn and I, and up in one day, they moved away too, totally disappeared. Then a few years later, I was out here cleaning out one of these window wells, um, and and Austin comes flying in 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 a little car, and he jumps out and he says, Pastor Stephen, is that you? And we were able to connect and talk a little bit. And, you know, he, he wasn't walking with the Lord. I don't know where he is now. I haven't seen him since then. And yet I know that he had the gospel. I remember the experience with him and his sister, Evelyn, and I would sit in their living room. Um, we brought fleas home from their living room. But uh, we would sit there in their living room, and um, we would have a little Bible lesson with Austin and Autumn. And mom would sit on the kitchen table right in the next room. And I can remember several times where we'd be sharing something from the Bible, and all of a, all of a sudden I'd hear this voice coming from the kitchen saying, what you say? And I'd say, well, you can come join us. And she'd come around the corner and say, what you mean by that? And um, 
it, it, was, it was exciting days. And again, the just up and one day, Austin and Autumn and their mom just poof, disappeared. Um, similar, similar situation in the neighborhood we used to live. Some of you may remember Michael. Remember the boy who wanted to be a Marine? He was in the high school ROTC. Um, he'd come with us every single Sunday. I remember one time we were on the way home from church. Um, he lived across the street and would ride with Evelyn and I, and he says, Pastor, he says, I have to say, he says, you're the first preacher I ever met that didn't cuss. And I says, well, how many preachers do you know? He says, not many, but you're the only one I know that doesn't cuss. <laughs> and um, so we, we had a lot of interesting conversation with Michael. And, um, and again, in that case, you know, we had a little bit more notice, but up, they moved away. And you know what was funny? Is they moved from the house right across the street into the house that Lincoln was renting out. <laughs> so we were able to keep right in touch for a little while there. And then up, they moved out of the area that she moved to, um, uh, to Valparaiso. And, um, but at that time, it's been encouraging over the years because Michael still contacts me and we still reach out and we still talk and I don't know if you remember him he had a limp he never got to join the Marines like he wanted to because he had a he had a spike in his leg that would come from here all the way through his knee up so whenever you walk you may remember him he would walk like this where he wouldn't ever bend his bend his leg but he was determined he's gonna go into the Marines um, but he never got into the Marines but he is a certified nurse uh, what do they call them certified nurse assistant today and so um, and he is one who continues to love Jesus, and, his, and one of the evidences of that is that when I, most of the time the reason he calls me is because he wants to pray with me about one of his family members whom I would know who, who's having trouble and needs Jesus. That's how he says it. Can we pray for so-and-so? She needs Jesus, and it's been really encouraging um, with that. But again, it's been just so exciting to think of, think of Michael and, and the contact that somewhat continues there but yet is, is somewhat more distant. Um, and doing Good News Club, I learned that your big brother, Jim Sikma, um, Anna's father, had grown up in a home that had a lot of religion and knew things of the Bible, but it was going to a backyard Good News Club where he was confronted with the gospel message and presented in such a way that the Spirit of God used that in his life to lead him to the Lord. And if I understand the story right, it really was bringing gospel Christianity to the whole family. Did I understand that right? There's a part of it. There's a long story there. But it's interesting to see how that happened. And I actually called um, Mr. Sigma and said, give me a little bit more of the story. And I asked him, do you know who it was? Do you have any connection? And, and he, he shared, he, has, he, he knows she was from Moody Bible Institute, and that's about it. And um, he told me that she's on his list of people to find when he gets to heaven. And, um, and I just find that really exciting. And then an experience that Evelyn and I had yesterday, I wanted to share with you all, and hope that it might be an encouragement for all of us to be faithful witnesses in the little and big. Um, two weeks ago, um, I received a voicemail here at the church um, from a young lady 
who shared that she was considering a graduate program, a PhD program at the University of Notre Dame that would be starting this fall, and that she was going to be in town this weekend, Friday and Saturday, and was hoping that she could meet the pastor and ask some questions. And so um, I know from her name, it was a Chinese name, and I could tell from her accent that she was somewhere from Asia. And so I had Evelyn give her a call back and get a little bit more detail. And it resulted in Evelyn and I taking her out to breakfast yesterday morning. And we got to hear her story. And she grew up in China, and she grew up in a home where I don't know that they were atheists, but definitely secular. They had no religion, and that was kind of her perspective of life. She came to the United States four years ago, spent her first year in Wisconsin where she met a Christian. And she just met a Christian and knew that this individual was a Christian. And then she spent the last three years in Los Angeles County, or Orange County, um, near, in, near Los Angeles, and she's continuing in university there. And last fall, she had a re really hard time in her life. There was a really difficult period in her life. And um, she had just, was just coming back home to her campus, to the campus, not home, home, her home is in China, but to the campus there in California, and she got picked up at the airport by a Lyft driver. So kind of like Uber. I don't know if you know what that is. It's like a fancy modern-day taxi. For us in the Midwest, we don't all know who Lyft and Uber are. So um, she got picked up by a Lyft driver, and um, she climbed into the driver, and he, he asked her, if you, if, you know, do you have any luggage? Because she didn't have any luggage. And that really triggered something for her because, no, she didn't have luggage. She was going through a really difficult time and hadn't packed any luggage, and she was just, she started crying. And um, she was crying most of the trip back to, to her campus. And before the Lyft driver um, dropped her off, when he pulled up and parked the car, he turned back and he says, I, I don't know what's wrong and I don't need to know what's wrong, but could I pray for you? And immediately she said that she thought, well, that's not going to do any good. <laughs> um, but sure, why not? So she told him he could pray for her. And um, he prayed for her that she would know peace and that God would comfort her and that God would help her and give her direction and through the problems and the difficulties that she was having. And she said that in the midst of this, she had no reason to feel any peace. But she felt peace. And she got out of that car peaceful. And for the last few weeks, she had no peace. And yet, as this man prayed, she experienced peace in her heart. And she said that immediately she began to think, this God may be real. And um, so what she did is she ended up calling her friend in Wisconsin whom she knew was a Christian, and began to have conversations with her and some Zoom calls. And as the time went by this January, um, her friend in Wisconsin through Zoom was able to lead her to Christ. And she's been going, connected her with a campus church there in California. 
and now she's considering the PhD program, and she's grown so much in two years, she already knows the vital importance of being a part of a church. So she's deciding between three different PhD programs, and part of her consideration is a church. And um, it was really encouraging to me in the sense that I thought of that Lyft driver. She commented on his kindness, on his politeness to her, his, her, his respect in not prying into her problems, but just praying for her. And that was the start to lead her to seek out someone she knew as a Christian. And so I'm seeing here, there are some that plant and there's some that water, and, and then sometimes it goes back and forth. And in, the, in it all, the Lord gave increase. And now she's looking here. And maybe South Bend. And maybe Fellowship Baptist Church. And she actually had called a few different churches in South Bend to set up uh, opportunities to meet with the pastor to ask some questions. And um, this is hard for me because there are some times where voicemails or emails are sometimes ignored because I have no idea what can of worms behind some of them. Um, and I was convicted, though, because she said we were the only ones that call her back out of all the different churches that she had reached out to. And so in some ways I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord, that I didn't miss that voicemail. But at the same time, it's a motivation to me to say, am I faithful in all the little things, knowing that I have, I, I do what God has called me to do in my corner as a faithful witness. And that's how this young woman came to know Christ, was a Lyft driver who prayed for her and showed her kindness and grace, a friend that had witnessed to her, then a friend that had discipled her, and a church that had gathered around her, and now she's going to move across country to the strange town of South Bend. And maybe. Will she continue to be watered and grown here? And will God use us or others? Will we be eager and ready and excited to be used of the Lord in his harvest and in continued discipleship? And so I just want to leave you with the motivation to be faithful witnesses. It's not always a Roman's road. Sometimes it is just that, can I pray for you? And a showing of kindness. Yes, we need to all have the gospel, the Roman's road, and the specifics of the gospel very much on the tip of our tongues. But um, are we looking for those little opportunities? And then also, are we praying that the Spirit of God uses them and that he gives the increase? in those different places and situations because we have no idea. She has no idea who that Lyft driver is and that Lyft driver has no idea where she's at to know that his simple act of kindness has totally changed her life and that they'll see each other and know one another in heaven. That's exciting. So let's keep on, keeping on knowing that God gives the increase and let's stay faithful. Gracious God, we give thanks to you this day for your word, for your gospel, for the hope we have in you. We lift up to you ourselves that we might be filled with your spirit 
and have a passion and desire of faithfulness to be witnesses of you in the very specific instances, intentional instances, as well as those that are just in passing and casual. Lord, we know that as your word goes forth, as your truth goes forth, it goes not forth in vain, but it goes forth in profit, for you're the one who gives the increase. So we, may we simply be faithful, faithful witnesses that you might use. And Lord, I just uplift to you many, many, many from all of us in different times and contacts and that we have had with people in the past, I pray that, that you would work in different lives. I think right now, even just of Chris, wherever he may be, whatever he is doing, Lord Jesus, I pray that he might be growing in you and might be following you as was represented by that picture there in the window, that he might be that little sheep who follows you. Now a man, may he be a witness too. And may he know your goodness in his life. And Lord, there's others, others like him. Lord, we just uplift them to you right now, praying that you will guide them, that you will draw them to yourself. Those who have backslidden, those who have wandered, those who are drawing closer to you and, and may be vibrant in their faith, may they grow more. And Lord Jesus, you know where each one is at, and we pray that you will just work and bring others along who might minister and bless them. And at all, may they and us and your church follow you as the good shepherd. We seek you now and need you. We praise you and love you and give ourselves to you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.